0: Yes, on the, on the 23rd of September, a group of us entered Elam Bible College, which was in Capel. And I noticed up there, um, your own Bible school was being advertised. May I encourage you to, to go and to study? When I went to Bible College, I went at the age of 17, and um, I applied when I was 16. I was that cocky, you know, I thought. But, um, and um, I had, my whole ambition was maybe after going to Bible College, I'd go back to my home church, and maybe they'd let me serve communion. I'd never even served communion. I'd done nothing. And, well, God was kind and gracious, and here I, I am today. So please, don't rule yourself out. And the starting point is, is to get prepared and to study. I left school at 15. I became a Christian and realized how stupid I'd been in school and um, thought college would just help me understand a bit more and grow in God. And it did all of those things, and eventually it opened the door to ministry. So please, do support and think about Um, your own Bible school, you've seen it advertised there, who knows where it it may lead. It might not always lead into the ministry, but then we're already in the ministry, aren't we? Uh, It's just a matter of redirecting us into what sort of ministry that we're involved in. So thank you very much for the flowers, Kay will appreciate those very much. There was a card on the flowers, it said, in loving memory of Gladys. (laughs) So I don't know where you got them from. I hope it wasn't the crematorium. But um, no, it didn't say that at all. I just, I just wanted to say that. If you have your Bible, it's lovely to see you on an evening. Is it warm or am I ill? It's warm. That's good. I'm not ill then. Uh, I'd like to. One of the joys of, well, one of the challenges is I get a phone call or a text on Friday when if I'm speaking on the Sunday, asking me what I'm going to speak on, and um, it makes and they ask for a title and. um, I was going to speak on the Transfiguration, then I, they asked me for a title, so I put, what does this Transfiguration mean to us? So let me read the story of the Transfiguration, please. And I'll give a little bit of background to it, because some of you may be new Christians, some of you may not be Christians. May I say, if you're not a Christian here tonight, you are our guest of honour. We hope you feel at home with us, we hope you feel welcome. I hope we'll give you something to think about. And uh, that's what the service is about. So let me read to you, I'm in Matthew chapter 17. And I'm going to read till I stop. Right. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. Just then there appeared before them Moses, Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. Listen to Him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the, face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Quite a spectacular event there, the Lord's transfiguration. But I need to pray before we go further. Father, we ask you now to help us to understand your word. Your word is God-breathed. It means its origin is with you and your heart. And we pray, Lord, that this evening, the same Holy Spirit that breathed this word into being might breathe upon each of our hearts now. And for those who may not know you, we pray that this might be, if if not the final point, the starting of a journey that results in them seeing who Jesus really is. Amen. Amen. Well, again, this is one of those um, amazing stories that we find in in the Scriptures concerning our Lord. And it begins very simply, the words, After six days Jesus took with him Peter, James and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves, Normally when scripture speaks about that, it's talking about Jesus going away to pray. He's going to spend some time in prayer. But this isn't one of those occasions where he draws them out and he says, come on now, we're going to pray or we're going to do um, uh, seek God for intercession. He took them aside for a special purpose. They were going to witness a miraculous, outstanding event. In fact, one of the most marvelous events I think that has taken place on the earth the cross is marvelous but there's no spectacular about it. it's a place of horror and 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 torture the the resurrection of course was a an amazing event but the transfiguration stands with them as an amazing uh, time for the disciples and so Jesus didn't go on his own he went up with James he went up with Peter and John the brother of James and a high mountain I need to say this straight away. There were times when Jesus would take out from the group certain of the disciples. Some were present, the raising of Jairus' daughter, but we find that these are the same men who we find in the Garden of Gethsemane in Mark fourteen thirty-three. And I need to say this straight away, that we may seek a fresh revelation, a fresh encounter with God. We would like to go up a mountain and see him in his glory and in his splendor, But please, the privileged men that saw that also went into the Garden of Gethsemane and with Jesus in those last hours before he came. We can't pick and choose. The Christian life is not always going to be full of, without pressure. If a preacher told you that if you became a Christian, all your problems would disappear, I'm very sorry, he wasn't telling you the truth. What happens when you become a Christian is this, you still have the same problems, you still have the same challenges, but you have Jesus with you in them, which makes the difference. And these men who are going to witness this unbelievable, spectacular sight of Jesus transfigured, before very long we're going to be in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he sweat drops of blood, as he said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. We can't, pick and choose you can't say i just want the mount of transfiguration i don't want to go to gethsemane i just want resurrection i don't want crucifixion i just want divine healing i don't ever want to go to a funeral friends it's not there for us to pick and choose the answer is to be walking close with god each day and if he says to come up the mountain we're ready for it if he says come into the garden we're ready for it because our daily walk with god has been sustained and so we say, after six days, he took Peter, James, and John, the brother of him, and a high mountain, and there he was transfigured before them. Now, the word transfiguration, it's very simple. We get some clues a little bit later on of what actually happened. There he was transfigured before them. It says, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And so here we have Jesus in this spectacular, um, almost transparency, the great difference with the Mount of Transfiguration is this no external light shone upon him. What we see here is his deity. It's almost as if for some moments his humanity was just unveiled. If I can say reverently, his jacket was opened and we saw his glory. In the carpenter's shop, it was hidden. At the Jordan with John the Baptist, it was hidden. You know, when he went into the wilderness for the 40 days, it was hidden. But just in these moments, he reveals who he truly is. And the light did not shine upon him, the light shone from him. And that's the challenge we face as Christians. Be very careful if you want the spotlight. Because this beauty of Christ will not be in competition with any spotlight Beware of any preachers who, and I don't know any in this building, may I say, who say to themselves, I want to be the centre of attention. Please, please, please. If you want the spotlight, then I'm afraid we won't see Jesus shining through you. We need to walk humbly with our God and seek him. And so there before him, Uh, their eyes must have, I mean, I nearly said they were gobsmacked, but we don't say that in London. I've lived in the north a little while now, but, you know, that's it. So he was transfigured before, his face shone like the sun. We think of the revelation, the first chapter of Revelation, the, the glorified Christ, shone, and his clothes became white as light. And then suddenly it says, just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Now what was the purpose of this transfiguration? Well let me say this, I believe it it has meaning for us today because uh, to let the cat out of the bag, here we have a transfer taking place. Here we have the baton being handed over. I remember a a gentleman came for an interview to the National Leadership Team and uh, he brought with him uh, pieces of wood uh, batons for each member of the National Leadership Team. And he said that if he got this position, his job, his, his goal would be to hand over the baton to train up the next generation. It was very good. We didn't give him the job, but it was very good. You know, I don't think he did. Anyway, handing over the baton. And that's what's happening on this mountain. We have here two worlds meeting. We have your Elijah's and your Moses representing the Old Testament, we have your Peter, James and John representing the New Testament and if I can say we have Jesus in the middle handing over the baton, handing being a transfer of what is taking place. Now you might say, well of of all the Old Testament characters, why was it Moses and Elijah? Daniel's one of my favourite characters. Why wasn't Daniel there? Why wasn't Elisha there? Why wasn't Joshua there? Why were these two men on this mountain with Jesus, Elijah and Moses? Very simply, they were representatives. They were representing the Old Testament. Elijah was representing the the prophets and Moses was representing the law. Now in the Old Testament, I know you've got studies coming up on that and please, they'll be far better than this, I can assure you. We have the two there. We have Moses who represented the law and we have Elijah representing the prophets. They were going to come to a conclusion in their Old Testament setting. This was going to end. When Jesus came, he fulfilled the Old Testament. When Jesus came, the prophets and the law, I have to be careful here because some people might actually be listening, um, you know didn't, weren't nullified but were fulfilled in this. And so we have this conversation taking place. Many people have wondered what they spoke about. It says there, Jesus talking with Jesus. What were they talking about? Do you think they were talking about uh, the, the the calling the fire down? Elijah, Moses striking the rock. If Moses was talking about striking the rock, he was stood next to the rock. If Elijah was talking about sacrifice, then Jesus was the sacrifice. If they spoke about going up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, the law of God, he stood before them was the fulfillment of the law. And so we see these men representing the past. It was coming to an end. It wasn't going to come to an end on that mountain. It was going to come to an end when Jesus died on the cross and the veil was torn from the top, not the bottom, the top to the bottom, not the bottom to the top. And in that moment, God said, Look behind the veil, I'm not there anymore. I don't know when he left, actually, but he wasn't there that day. That's for certain. And it was coming to an end, and so this has great meaning for us because we are the church. We are the future, in that sense. And so we find there that there was Moses and there was Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John represented the New Testament. If you like, Moses and Elijah represented the old. The old was coming to a conclusion. The old, co- the new covenant was coming. The church was about to be born. The the, 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 the body of Christ was about to come into being in Acts chapter 2. But there needed to be a conclusion. And here we have Peter, James and John representing the future about what was going to happen. The church, the miracles, the book of Acts, the epistles, the whole future. Even today as Christians around the world in in millions of people are worshipping Christ. We find that handover took place. We are not in the law. We are not in the prophets. They were a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Of course, they're still of value. I preach to them regularly. But the point is this, that Christ was there now. And if he could have got hold of those men, Peter, James, and John around here, and Moses and Elijah, and he could have brought them together in that sense, I believe he would have done because there was a handing over. The church is the fulfillment. The church is the future. This is what God is about. Well, the situation moves on. It's quite an amazing thing. Of course, Peter, Peter, who always is the first to speak, a bit rash at times, yet full of faith, says to Jesus, "This Lord, it is good for us to be here." Wow! Well, I don't know about you, but if, if you said to me that uh, Elijah and Moses and Jesus were going to be at Hyde Park Corner in an hour, well, I'm off. I don't know who's locking up, but I'd be off. Who wouldn't want to stay there? Who Wouldn't want to, Wouldn't you want to ask them questions? Ask Moses some questions. Why did you hit that rock? You know, wouldn't you like to say to Elijah, what happened under the juniper tree? Is that the right man? Yes, it was. Sorry, I'll just check with my friends. You know, what happened there? Oh, we could have kept there. And, and Peter's answer to it is very simple. It's a very religious answer, really. He says there, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, that was sensible, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. Wow, imagine that. Imagine if this evening we were going to announce that we were running a trip to the Holy Land and we had got tickets to go in and see Moses, Elijah and Jesus and the Beatles. No, no, forget them. We had tickets for this. I tell you what, some of you would sell your car to go, wow, I'd want to see that. But you see friends, that would be a distraction. But what would be even worse is this, and this is where it was wrong what Peter said. And I'm not going to condemn him, it was a very natural thing to do. When you're in the blessing, you want to stay in the blessing. The problem is, if Jesus had stayed on that mountain, he wouldn't have gone to Calvary. And his purpose wasn't to go up a mountain and be transfigured. His purpose in life was to go up a mountain and die for our sins upon the cross. And so although it sounded good, it sounded comforting, wow, let's get a coach trip, there'd be videos, DVDs, there'd be a TV channel just for this. What is Moses doing today? He's gone for a haircut. Wow, ooh, Moses having a haircut I'm now off my notes by the way, <laughs> a bit silly now. But um, no, and that's what Peter wanted to do, he wanted to stay. But if he had have stayed, they would have missed, missed the whole purpose of Christ's ministry. Christ's ministry was not to come and amaze. Jesus never performed one miracle to draw a crowd. If you can tell me where he did, I'll give you five pound and I'll alter me notes where Jesus performed, they were going to draw a crowd. He performed miracles to meet needs. And having met a need, folk wanted to know what was going on. Always, That's always the way he is. Jesus doesn't use you to draw a crowd. He loves you. And if you have a need, he will step in and minister to you. Why? Because he needs you to draw a crowd? No, no, no. He loves you and he wants to minister to you. So we find this situation. We have this Jesus transfigured. We have Moses and Elijah and they're talking. Wouldn't I like to know what they were talking about? Then we have Peter coming up with what was seemingly a bright idea, but it wasn't a bright idea. It says there, if you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And it's almost as if God says, Peter, be quiet. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them and a voice from the cloud said, Peter, stop talking. God wants to speak. Peter, you've got your ideas about these tents and these tabernacles and this religious grotto or whatever it was going to be somewhere or other. Forget it. He's interrupted by two things. He's interrupted in his speech by one a very bright cloud. I like the thought of a bright cloud. Most of us think, oh, he's got a cloud over, and we think of darkness, don't we? Oh, he's got a cloud. Now I'll tell you something. I I, I live in Derby. And in Derby, they have a phrase. If it's going to rain, they say this. It's looking black over Bill's mother's. Have any of you ever heard that? Lyndon, have you heard it? Well, you wouldn't do, do you? you never go north, do you? You know, he doesn't like the the butties. you know. And that's what they do. And I remember when I was visiting someone in a suburb of Derby called Allen I came out and the man said to me, he looked out and he went, oh, it's looking black over Bill's mother's. And I stood there and I thought, I got in the car and I thought, who do we have in the church called Bill and where does his mother live? <laughs> I'd never heard it before. And it means it looks like it's going to rain. So Bill's mother does not exist. In case any of you want to go and find her, she does not exist. It was an expression. And it means there's a dark cloud over there, it's going to rain. It's the first time I ever heard the phrase. But this wasn't a black cloud over Bill's mother's. This was a bright cloud. Bright Why? Because it was God's cloud. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. What other cloud could there be but a bright cloud? And so just as Peter's talking about some permanent religious centre, God interrupts us, oh Peter, stop it. The bright cloud comes and takes their attention. And then God speaks. Peter, stop talking Please. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them. What must have been, what an experience! And a voice from the cloud said, "This is my son. Wow, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased." And then some extra words aren't found on on other occasions listen to him peter james sorry probably peter james and john had been reading their old testaments for them the elijahs and the moseses were what it was about the law and the prophets were what they studied and what they believed and they based their life on the law and the prophets and now god comes and says you've listened to moses you've listened to elijah You've seen, you've heard, you know about the tabernacle, you know about the Red Sea, you know about the fall of Jericho, you know all that, you know about Elijah, you know about the prophets and Isaiah and Jeremiah. Now, fine, you've listened to them, and rightly so, but now listen to my son. Hebrews says, in these last days, God has spoken to us. How? Through his son Do you know, God has nothing more to say. If you're waiting for something else for God to say, I'm sorry, but I don't believe he's going to say anything new. He said it all in Jesus. Jesus is his final word. And for many of us, the next thing we await is his arrival, his return. So out of this cloud came the voice. This is my beloved son. The father identifies with him completely in whom I am well pleased. Friends, at that point... God confirmed the sinlessness of Jesus. If Jesus had sinned at any time, I don't believe the father would said, this is my son who I'm well pleased. He was well pleased. He was well pleased with him because he had got to the age of almost 33 and he had not sinned. Imagine that. Having got to the age of 33 and not sinned, some of us never got to three. <laughs> and most of you are here. None in the balcony, may I say. You know... After a life, went through his teenage years, his 20s, became head of the house when Joseph passed away, looked after his mum, tried to sort out his brothers and all that went on. And on this mountain, my son, in whom I am well pleased. Now that's fine. And you go home and you think, oh, wasn't that a lovely thing? But this is the challenge. Listen to him. Peter, James and John, listen to him. Moses, Elijah, listen to him. He's now, well, if you have seen the Father, sorry, if you have seen the Son, you have seen the Father. He is the revelation of God. See what he says. You've had your Ten Commandments, now listen to the teaching of Christ, which is not contradictory, but complementary in that sense. And it almost seemed that things were, you know, just sort of almost... What can we do? We can't move. The cloud, the voice, it's all happening to them there. Then the disciples heard this. They fell face down on the ground, terrified. I think I'd have been down there with them. You've just seen the carpenter's son transfigured. Light coming from within. Holiness. I think it's Mark talks about as no linen bleacher could make, no fuller could make. Means no one. It was like you couldn't get whiter than white. You know those adverts for washing powders. Do you know I'm 57 years of age, and every year the washing powders are getting more powerful. (laughs) It's a wonder my vests haven't exploded. Really, it's powerful. This and it's this and it does that and it. Listen, Jesus was pure white speaking of his holiness speaking of his deity this was who he really was or oh, he was really jo- the son of joseph in so many ways in the natural he was looked after him maybe taught him his trade etc cetera, etc cetera. but no his father was the father of light and we see this light shining through well no wonder and then they see moses and elijah then the bright cloud and the voice of God. Now, I don't know, but I think I lowered my voice then to, to try and get a bit of effect. The voice, the voice of God. I don't know what tone God's voice was in, but I tell you what, it was enough to put these boys on their face. And you know, when God speaks, that's where we should be, on our face. Do you know the safest place to be as a Christian is flat on your face, because if you are, you can't fall, can you? Those who are in ministry... Please, keep as low as you can. Keep as low as you can, because the lower you are, the less you have to fall. Almost there, you've listened so well. Then the disciples heard this. They fell on their face, terrified. But Jesus, he didn't want them to be upset. He didn't want them to be terrified. He wanted them to see him in his glory he wanted them to see that moses and elijah were now finishing the task and they were taking up the baton and so jesus does something very beautiful he came and touched them get up he said don't be afraid you often know when jesus is about because he wants to dispel fear whether you're walking on the water whether you're at the uh, the tomb on the easter morning don't be afraid There's nothing fearful about the glory of God. There's nothing fearful about the voice of God. It can be be awesome and it can be affect us greatly, of course, but it's not there to, to condemn us, it's there to encourage us. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. If I can say reverently, they didn't need Moses. They didn't need Elijah. They didn't need a bright cloud. They really didn't need the voice of God anymore because all of that was encapsulated in Jesus himself. He was the son of God. He was the revelation of the father. He was the love of God and the light of God and the the power of God. It was all in him. And that's why we say we don't look for someone else. We're not looking for someone else to come along. Our Messiah has arrived and been recognised by us we're not looking for someone else. In him we are satisfied. In him we are pleased. If the Father is well pleased with Him, I'll tell you what Gordon neal has got to be. The Father can say, in him who I am well pleased, how can I possibly find fault with him? Where do you fit into this? Where do you fit in? I suppose the, the, the big question here is this. Would you like to be on the Mount of Transfiguration? Yeah, I would have been. But we can't stay there. They came down and they found themselves involved in uh, demon possession. First thing they've met was the enemy activity. We don't live on the mountain. We, we go down and we minister. Because that's why the church is here to minister. When a church stops ministering, get ready, there'll be a for sale sign outside at any day now. He touched them. And he looked at them and he said to them very simply, uh, they saw no one except Jesus. You know, as we walk with God, may we see no one but Jesus. We thank God for ministers and you're well blessed in this church with a, a, a group of men and women who are sold out for God. Sold out for God. But you know, friends, we don't follow them we don't follow the Ela movement on whom we are linked to we don't follow Kensington temple with its great history etc cetera, etc cetera. no no you know we follow jesus we see him they looked up and saw no one except jesus thank you for confirmation there that you agree in that way but the question is are you listening to him are you listening to him Has he spoken to you about something and you're not obeying? Maybe, let's use a little illustration. Maybe he spoke to you about going to the Bible school and you've decided that you don't want to go because there's something good on the telly. Well, that's why God invented DVD recorders. So you can, no, he didn't. But, you know, has God spoken to you about something? Has God spoken to you about giving, praying, reading your Bible more? You know, I look at my life. And I'll tell you what, the times my life went awry was when I did what Gordon wanted and didn't talk to Jesus about it. When I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, I can imagine that there's gonna a lot of things. I just hope you're not in, within listening distance. Lots of things are going to be mentioned. He might say, Gordon, you know what? If you'd have spoken to me about that, I could have helped you. But you didn't, did you? I said, no, I didn't, Lord. If you'd have listened to me, how often have parents said to their children after they've made a mistake, if only you'd listen to me. And sometimes, you know, we think of that Mount of Transfiguration and all that's spectacular and it's beautiful, it's marvellous. And when you get to heaven, get the DVD out and see what it really was like. But if we're not listening to him, that was the father. He confirmed his son, my son, well pleased. Listen to him if you're a Christian and God's speaking to you then please listen to him please obey him and you will find that God's blessing will follow obedience obedience you know is not preached a lot of these days but let me tell you every time I have been obedient I have been blessed every time I've been rebellious I found myself in trouble so obedience rather than rebellion and listen to his voice But again, may I say, there may be folk here tonight and you're not a Christian. And may I say again, I hope I've not spoken for too long this evening. But maybe I can ask you, are you listening to him? Maybe you didn't know that he loved you. That he died on the cross for you. Maybe you didn't know that he rose again. That he might be a living saviour and a help to you As you journey through, maybe you thought discipleship, being a Christian, was for the goody goodies or the religious people or the people that are brought up in church. Please, I can't do a survey, but in this room tonight, there must be as many who didn't come to church as those that were brought up in church. You see, it's not did you go to church, it's not did you have a religious upbringing, it's whether you're listening to Him now. And he's saying to you, I love you. I will forgive you. And it's called, our response is just to repent, to say, Lord, I'm sorry that I've not lived up to your standards. Will you forgive me? And he will. And he will make you a child of his. You come in the family. Not the family of this church, although if you, I can't think of a better church than this area that you could attend. But you become a f- member of God's family. If you're lonely, there's a family waiting for you. If your life's in a mess, there's a family waiting to support you. But more than that, there's a Savior who will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You say, Gordon, you don't know how bad I am. I don't want to know. It's none of my business how bad you were. What is my business is to encourage you to give your life to Christ, receive His forgiveness. And then you become our business as we seek to encourage you to live a Christian life. Let's pray. Thank you. Let's pray. I'm going to say a prayer now. It's not written down, so it'll be very ordinary. But if you're not a Christian and you'd like to become a Christian, maybe you'd like to say this prayer in your heart, I don't, I'm don't. i not going to embarrass anyone, I promise, but just in your heart you say, I, you know, I'd like to become a Christian. Well, it's then maybe in your heart you'd like to repeat this prayer. If you're unhappy with the prayer, then just stop saying it in your heart, it, but there'll be nothing to worry you. If you want to become a Christian, repeat this prayer in your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love for me I thank you that you sent your son to be my saviour. I am sorry for the wrong things I have done. I ask you to forgive me. Not because I deserve it, but because your son died on the cross for me. Help me from these moments on to seek to live a life that is pleasing to you I need your help, Lord. Thank you for inviting me into your family through your forgiveness. Amen. 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 Please sit up. If you said that prayer, and I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up, or or, or that, there will be folk available here at the front who, if you prayed that prayer, if you would like to, is it you're down here? Just come down here and just look at somebody that, Looks like they know what they're doing. you know. And just say to them, "Um, I said that prayer. And they will talk to you a little further. If you're a lady, we have some ladies that will talk to you. If you're a fella, we've got some fellas. So that's just the beginning. They may pray with you again. They'll definitely give you something to read and take home. But please, don't just go. Please, listen to him. Thank you for listening. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much, much, Gordon. We're going to go into a time of worship right now. We're going to worship the Lord Jesus with that coat taken off. The Jesus who sits at the right hand of the Father in full glory. That's who we're going to worship tonight. And as we're worshipping, Gordon's touched on many points here this evening. Maybe you're here tonight and you feel like you're Bill's house. You feel like there's a great big dark cloud over your life. But I want to tell you there's a cloud of glory that wants to shine on you tonight. And while we're just worshipping and we're just singing and praising to God, opening up our hearts to Him, I'll ask you to come forward and just stand at the front here and our ministry team and our staff are going to be lined up at the front here and we want to pray with you in that area. And maybe there's just situations in your life where you need to see God's glory begin to shine in your life. Gordon touched on a few of those areas where you may be challenged by at the moment. Let's together in prayer, pray tonight that God will reveal himself to you and do what only he can. Let's stand to our feet here this evening in Kenson Temple. Do you know when that Up in the mount of transfiguration, while Peter was still speaking, when the cloud of glory came in, and when it began to spoke the voice from heaven, the Bible says, When the disciples heard him, they fell face down to the ground, terrified but Jesus came and touched them and he said, get up, don't be afraid. Maybe there's situations in your life right now where you are fearful. and Maybe you need to just feel that loving right hand of the Lord Jesus Christ upon you today. And to hear those voices and to remind yourself who sits on the throne and to be encouraged wherever you feel downcast, or pressed down, or fearful, or terrified, or insecure, or not able, or incompetent, or lonely, or lost, or confused, whatever it may be. Let's pray that the Living God will come down, reach out, and pick you up here today, and say, don't be afraid, my dear sister, my dear brother. I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last, and I hold all things in the palm of my hand. Do not be afraid. Whatever area the the Holy Spirit is ministering to you tonight, please come forward. We want to pray with you and join with you in in faith. But let's lift up our hearts, let's lift up our voices, and let's praise the living God here tonight.